we are again to talk about God's Word. We're talking about commitment, something that's so essential in our walk with Christ, sold out to Him, totally given over to Him. And we're, we're seeing that we'd be foolish not to be committed because, because of what God has done for us in 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter says God has provided everything we need, everything that we need to live a godly life. And he's also given us everything we need for the future. And the way Peter puts it, he's granted us precious and magnificent promises. Promises that are beyond our calculation, beyond our ability to understand even sometimes. Promises for now and promises for the future. The first promise is that now as a believer, we are partakers, he says, of the divine nature. What does that mean? That means that you and I, share the nature of God. A baby shares the nature of his parents. The Christian is also alive because he has a new divine nature. When you receive Christ, God through his Holy Spirit comes to live in you, and his divine nature comes to live in you. Nature determines appetite. A pig won't slop because he's a pig. And if you have God's nature, your appetite for the word and for that which is holy and pure is, is better than it's ever been before when you didn't have that nature. You see, nature determines behavior. If you have God's nature, you ought to act like God. If there's no evidence that you're like Christ, that's a pretty good sign you don't have God's nature living in you. This new nature is planted in the inner being of the believing sinner and becomes the source of all his new life and, his, and the source of his behavior in everything that he does. Through God's presence in us, Jesus is both the desire and the power to do God's will. You see, he gives many promises, but Peter probably has in mind one special promise, and that's the promise of Christ's return. These promises related to Christ's coming are questioned even today, just like they were in Peter's day by false teachers and by skeptics and by atheists. But Peter defended them and said Jesus will return to reign visibly and powerfully. And in fact, uh, he says that this same Jesus who Acts 1 says went up into heaven, the angels declared would be coming back. When Jesus comes back, he's not going to send a prophet. He's not going to send a, uh, an angel. He's going to come himself. Jesus is coming back. In 2 Peter 3.3, 3, Peter said in the last days, mockers will come. And they say, where's the promise of his coming? It's been so long. He's not really coming. But so some folks forget that a thousand years, Peter says, is just like a day with the Lord. He's only been gone two days. Two thousand years. Two days, according to the Lord. See, the Lord doesn't count time like we do. Time is not important to him like it is to us. And he, Peter goes on to say, that's what people said when Noah said a flood was coming. They doubted it, but the flood came and destroyed the earth. Now, he said the coming destruction will be by fire, and, heavens and earth, the heavens and earth will be reserved for fire. And he goes on to say the Lord is not slow about these promises, but he's very patient. He's not willing that anyone should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And recognize that 
Jesus is, is going to come back. That's one of the great promises and great hopes of the believer that the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God. And we who are God's children will be caught up to meet him in the air. There's two reasons Jesus will keep his promise to come again. And one is that he only will come in God's time. And in Acts 1, 6 through 8, he says, it's not for us to know the times nor the seasons. It's ours just to be obedient because it's in God's time. It's not in our time. God's not coming back on our schedule. He's coming back on his schedule. And then second, that we should patiently be waiting for others to have the opportunity to come to know Christ. You see, the most important thing is that those we know and those we love come to know Christ and, and, and have this experience with him that we've had of salvation and forgiveness. And so he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So he wants them to come to know him. Get excited about who you are in Christ. Get excited about what Christ has done for you because it makes such a difference. Now, in spite of all of that, I think it's important for us to realize that God in his purposes and his plans is working in other ways in our lives to bring about that which he wants for us. And I think he wants us to, to recognize some areas where that commitment really does matter. And it's important for us to realize that he expects us to be committed to a local church. Uh, the Bible has a lot to say about the importance of getting involved with other believers and joining together with them so we can make that real difference in the world. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, let me read it to you. I'm looking it up here quickly, and I'll have it for you in just a second. Uh, he says this, through him we have said, though we have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him, and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophet who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with greatest care. And uh, that's, that's in chapter 1, but what I wanted to read was in chapter 2, I'm sorry. I was in the wrong chapter. Uh, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his, once, into his wonderful light. Once you're not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. God wants to, us to recognize that as his people, he wants us to be committed to each other as well as to him. And a lot of people say, well, I'm a Christian, but I don't need a local church. I don't need to gather with other believers. Well, that's just not true. We do need to be with other believers. He expects us to, to, to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. A church is a local group of believers joined together to obey Christ and his word and fulfill his purpose. And as we recognize that, then it makes a difference. We're going to pick up there next time, and we're going to talk more about the importance of being in a church and getting not only 
attendance, but getting involved in the church and really beginning to, to serve Christ through the fellowship of believers. And I hope you will be with me at that time when we do that as we, as we seek out God's purpose for us being a part of our church and what God would want us to do. God bless you. Have a great day. We're done.